Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think, Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, howdy. Hey, my Bruin brothers and sisters. Greetings, greetings. Uh, back to the classic, the greetings, <laughs> greetings. Still one of my, my top favorites. They're cretins? Oh, yeah. no, those, those Can You Brew It listeners that are cretins. Nah, that's true. Uh, those people, I don't know. I don't know what they do on that show. It's absolutely not worth listening to. It's crap. <laughs> Total crap. I've always liked it. Well, you know, you, you like the cretins. That's, that's yep. why. That's you know. I don't. I, I don't care for the host or any of that. That that shit. It really sucks. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, can you brew it? Uh, we have one of, of the. One, we have one of the. <laughs> I was hosts. gonna say, you know, Tasty's a good guy. Yeah, the, host, yeah. the host's okay. Yeah, Tasty's fine. It's the other guy that I can't stand. <laughs> no, well, but Justin doesn't really count though. I mean, he's not. He's not like an official host, right? <laughs> no, Justin's fine. You're a good guy, John. It's that other guy. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I just can't stand him. I, I really can't. Uh, Tasty, what do you think? What? How do you we get along? Up, how do you, you get along with, with that, that guy? guy? We put up with him. That's that's. I don't know how you do it. It's really just. Uh, he's well, dragging the whole show down. It's his show. What are we gonna do? Dragging it down. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah, I guess that's that's how things go. You know, that's how, how it's done in the world. You know, Problem with the other guy. And, the problem with the other guy is that he gets a brand new Blickman top tier system and he can't even find the time to put it together. That's what I don't like about yeah, him. Really. What, what the heck's up with that? What is up with you that? Missing parts or what? Come he's, on. He's, he's got some sort of issue with stainless, I guess. <laughs> he's allergic to it, I think. <laughs> I've been I've been traveling. I've been on the road. I've been like you know I've, I did uh, I did uh, Australia, New Zealand. I did. Uh, uh, the there's wheels 60, for that thing. Just 60, hook it up to the back of the RV. Three hundred miles, and now I'm now I'm taking the uh, my daughter and her friends on a on a road trip uh, down to visit colleges. So uh, I'll yeah. be gone another week. And it's just the visicologist. Uh, What's a visicologist? <laughs> a visicologist <laughs> checks the viscosity of uh, uh, colleges. No, okay. uh, yeah, college road trip, and. Um, uh, Didn't they make a movie be, about that? Yes, yes. It's going to be us all over again. Uh, except this time I don't have Peter along to uh, do the videotaping. But we're going to go and uh, uh, visit a bunch of uh, different colleges. We'll be down your way, Palmer. One, uh, probably like uh, Monday or uh, Tuesday evening. Oh, I'll be okay. up for a, a beer if, if you're around. Uh, Definitely. You're going to be yeah. doing... Uh, Oh, let's see. Uh, Pepperdine, USC, UCLA, Cal Poly, um, around that area, I think. Okay. Yep. I'm right on the way. Yeah. Well, there you go. You're going to have to come out and uh, and, and beer with me. Okay. All, all the, I'm going to send the kids off to the, uh, visit the colleges, and then I'm going to be drinking beer. <laughs> cool. That's Take my, my favorite trip. spot. Lucky right. Baldwin's in Pasadena. Lucky Baldwin's Pasadena. I'll be there, I think. 
It'll be uh, be a lot of fun. I also got a trip coming up, GABF, coming up uh, September, September, uh, what, 15th, 16th, oh, nice. 17th, 18th, around in there? Yeah, 16th, 17th, 18th. Yeah, I'll, I'll only be there until uh, uh, Saturday morning. I got to fly back uh, for my daughter's birthday. But I'll be there, uh, I think, starting Monday, Monday evening. Uh, I'm going to get out there, going to do the judging and uh, then going to sign books on Thursday and Friday and then fly back on Saturday morning. But uh, all those evenings, I'll be up, up for beers. If uh, anybody, any listeners are out there, uh, you know, come on down. Let's, uh, let's get our drink on. Yeah. I'm sure we'll have a, have a wild old time. I don't think, a I think, time. I think we'll all be out there, but Tasty's not going this year. <laughs> How many years since you've missed a GABF? I, I just went the last three, so oh, okay. it's not like I'm a okay. 10-year no. run or something. I'm breaking some record here. <laughs> no. <clears throat> all right. Probably just for volume of beer consumed. Yeah. Breaking, breaking that record. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. For sure. <laughs> yeah. This, this year they asked him to yeah, stay away. Yeah, there'll be a lot more beer available this yeah, year. That's right. at the, uh, yeah, uh, the Russian River will January. last longer. Right. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Well, what about you, Tasty? You got any? How, how did your trip to uh, uh, St. Louis and all that go? I, I didn't get a chance to hear about that. You probably talked about it on the Sunday session, but... Uh, yeah, not, I, I can't be troubled much. listening to that stuff. Yeah, that's just a lot of gibberish. Yeah, one great. I uh, got to meet up with about thirty-five. Uh, I was, I was going to say listeners, but I think about a third were listeners, and then two-thirds were kind of split between two local uh, homebrew clubs. Oh, cool. so it was kind of nice. Uh, Stephen Hale from uh, Shaffley's um, specialty brewery uh, there in the tap room uh, was a great host. He led us into the cellar and. Uh, we're able to, you know, drink in a really nice atmosphere down there. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Did you go to a rock concert again last no, night? Uh, I've got this cough, and it's uh, kind of getting stuck in my throat a little bit. But All right. It'll be better in a minute. Okay. Yeah, he's, 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 got the, he's got the HIV, I think. Could be. <laughs> hey, yeah. just real, before you move too far <laughs> ahead, uh, make sure you post when you're going to Lucky Baldwin's. A lot of people in the chat room want to know. They want to oh, meet oh. you down there, too. Okay. So you guys cool. got to make sure you notify people. Yeah, you got to you got to follow the Twitter or the Facebook. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or I don't Twitter, so the yeah. both of them. That's how I find out where Jay Z is now too. I find, <laughs> when he can do a show, I just look at his Twitter. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. See if he's listening. He's in yeah. town. He's not. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's that's where I post all my uh, my drinking. When I'm getting my drink on, I usually you know while I'm still sober, I'll I rattle off a, a Twitter. What is it? Uh, Twitter dot com slash Mister Malty. Yes. Mr. Malty. What's yours, Palmer? You have one too, don't you? No, I don't have a Twitter account. Oh, okay. Just go through Jay Z's then. There yep. you go. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I try and post that. And uh, if I'm posting it there, you're you're absolutely welcome to come out and, and join up and uh, and have a good time with us. Uh, doesn't matter if family's there or not. Uh, if I'm posting it, then then you're you're it's public and you're invited. So don't uh, don't hesitate. Don't be shy. All right, so uh, we're wrapping up our High Gravity Brewing uh, series with uh, one final show, and we're going to talk about uh, fermentation of high-gravity beers, aging of high-gravity beers, and also brewing high-gravity beers uh, for increased volume in this show. And uh, that's why we got Tasty in here to, to help with that, and he's done uh, a fair amount of that, and uh, more than I have and Palmer has uh, combined. That's right. Two batches. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Two years in a row. I haven't done this year's yet, so yeah. it'll be three soon. All right. Yeah. Okay. So let's do this. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll get into uh, our final high-gravity brewing show. Back after this. 
When you hear Blickman Engineering, think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. BN Army members, are you looking for a discount on hops? Keep listening. Nico's Homebrew Supply at NicoBrew.com has hops by the ounce and by the pound. Choose from varieties like Amarillo, Centennial, East Kent Goldings, Hollertower, Simcoe, Summit, Tomahawk, Warrior, Willamette, and more. And adding new varieties all the time, many for less than 20 bucks a pound. Whether a couple ounces at a time or an 11-pound bag, all hops are shipped vacuum-sealed and frozen straight to you. Nico's Homebrew Supply offers store-wide $5 flat-rate shipping and won't waste your money on unnecessary overhead or advertising. They're going bare bones and passing the savings on to you. The staff at Nico's Homebrew Supply loves to brew and is committed to keeping homebrewing affordable and accessible to anyone who wants to join in this great hobby. And for a limited time, use coupon code BNARMY at checkout for a brewing network discount. Visit NicoBrew.com. That's N-I-K-O Brew.com for your hops and more. NicoBrew.com, your bare bones buddy in the brewing business. And now, Northern Brewer brings you another installment of The The Time Brewers! When last we left our heroes, they found themselves in 1842 in the province of Bohemia. Yo, this era jerky. All the beers is murky. What, oh, friends? A male alewife. I don't know what I'm doing, so I got this dark malt, yeah? More stinky dark beer, yeah! No, sir! Please, wait! Just a moment! Aye! A package from the future? From Northern Brewer! Use the Pilsner malt, my good man! And the Sats Hop, sucker! They ain't noble like Queen Victoria, but you can use Sterling from Portland to Astoria. Let your war caramelize and let Melanodins harmonize in a long boil. Keep your starter undercover with aluminum foil. Who? And use it thou some bog myrtle. Northern Brewer is your one-stop homebrew supplier throughout the entire Fermento Chronosphere. The widest selection of quality malt, hops, yeast, $7.99 flat rate shipping, and get your nasty-ass bog myrtle back to the Dark Ages, Brother Abelard. Eat this golden lager with the happy hops pretty damn good. Thanks, Time Brewers. Thanks, Northern Brewer. Our work here is done, my friends. Now, to wherever we are next, we did. Tune in next time for the continuing adventures of the Time Brewers. Ewa, what's it feel like? Take awesome and multiply it by two. Yeah! <laughs> Spraying live beer radio all over your face. <laughs> Can't get any better than this, baby. It's the Brewing Network. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. 
All right, we're back. We're talking high-gravity fermentation. And uh, <clears throat> one of the things that uh, we want to talk about is uh, fermentation, right? Uh, when you're looking at fermenting a high-gravity beer, obviously there's uh, a couple of things you need to uh, uh, consider. One is, you know, pitching rate, right? Amount of yeast, yeah. uh, oxygen, things like that. And I think, that, you know, a lot of people are pretty familiar with that. Wouldn't you say, Tasty? I think everybody that's made a high-gravity beer knows that they've got to, you know, make sure they watch their pitch rate and, and you know, oxygenation and mm-hmm. and the mashing temperatures. You know, give, give the beer every chance to... Uh, to attenuate because, you know, the yeast, you know, are going to spend a fair amount of their time in a high alcohol, hostile environment. And uh, we want to make sure you give them a chance to finish out. Right, right. And, uh, you know, one of the things uh, I find interesting is uh, if you're making a high-grade beer, there's that, uh, uh, they say, over a certain uh, gravity, I think it's uh, 1082 or something like that, you're uh, you're, you're going to want to add additional oxygen. Usually, you don't add oxygen once you've pitched. You know, after your yeast has started fermenting, you don't add oxygen. Well, uh, in a high gravity beer, past that point, uh, after the yeast have done a, a, a cell division, you go ahead and you goose them with some more oxygen. Uh, usually, somewhere in the you know twelve to eighteen hour range, you can give them another shot of oxygen, and they'll. they'll Take that in and actually gives them a better cell uh, membrane health. They're able better to regulate the uh, flow of uh, alcohol in and out of the cell, things like that. Stand uh, the higher osmotic pressure of uh, of a higher gravity beer. Uh, this, that, and the other thing, and makes uh, a big difference in final attenuation of the beer. Have you ever tried that, uh, Mike? Uh, yeah, when I do a, a bigger beer, I always do a second uh, oxygenation. Mm-hmm. I I tend to like. Uh, I've gone towards keeping my oxygenation uh, regimen to a minimal amount. Like I, I've, I know you can over oxygenate a beer. Right, I'm afraid right. of getting there, so I'm. I am uh, even in some of my maybe maybe like a 1070 beer. I might do the very same thing. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe eight hours later, but not 18. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I'm getting more to like using shorter, uh, but multiples on, uh, mm-hmm. on a little bit bigger beers. And certainly, if it's above you know 1080 or so, yeah, I would definitely mm-hmm. uh, do a, do a second and. You know, maybe even a third. Really, any time before high croissant, I think. Uh, right. I think you're okay. Uh, exactly. Yeah, that's sort of the 18 hour limit. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about high croissant. Yeah, right. uh, and you know, 12 is probably probably a, a good time. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, right in that eight to 12 range is probably a kind of a sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Depends on uh, uh, various factors on the yeast, but uh, uh, that would probably be you know one of the most uh significant i think things that uh, you're going to want to do for fermentation of a high gravity beer uh what else what about things like uh blowing off uh, do you blowing off <laughs> blow, blow, blow you off anytime what about blow, That's what i do on the other show yeah, about it? blow off <laughs> Of the uh, of the you know the fermenter on high gravity beers, do you experience um, oh. uh, you know more more often? Do you get a blow off? Often, uh, yeah, often rather vigorous. That's why I always use uh, 
firm control in a, in a high gravity beer. Okay. And make sure that my you know my fermentation vessel is not like overfilled. Mm-hmm. You you'll, you basically you'll lose as much beer as extra you put in. So why, why bother? So right. make sure you've got room for high chrysin. Use uh, something a foam control you know mm-hmm. kind of uh, aid to keep it to you know down to a reasonable amount. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course another thing I, I like to do in high gravity beers is to uh, as I do on on any. Uh, any beer is, you know, drive the fermentation. Like uh, when I notice that things are slowing down, you know, what can I do to, to speed it up? Uh, can I rouse the yeast? Can I raise the temperature? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, can I, uh, what What other things can I do? Can I, uh, I don't know. Those are two things that I, I primarily do. Sometimes I'll pitch right. a, uh, a little more yeast if I think that I may have underpitched for some mm-hmm. reason, that it's just dying too fast. Well, one of the things I like uh, that you mentioned is raising the temperature. So I like to you know have a more controlled temperature at the beginning or a little lower temperature at the beginning yeah, of fermentation. Give you some room to work with. Yeah. And then uh, towards the end, uh, you know, last third of fermentation especially, uh, make sure I've got the temperature up uh, several degrees, you know, maybe five degrees Fahrenheit, uh, you know, two or three degrees C. And make sure that uh, I'm getting good attenuation uh, all the way through to the end. You know, yeast is starting to slow down and uh, anything you do to drive it. Um, also on uh, big beers that, that tend to get stuck or not fully attenuate, um, you know, even if it's an ale, one of the things I like to do is um, uh, you can add some lager yeast mm-hmm. at the end. Mm-hmm. won't develop a, a lot of flavor, but it will tend to consume some of those longer-chain sugars that the ale yeast wasn't able to consume. Right. Yeah. I've done that with uh, on second pitches where I would uh, mm-hmm. use use another yeast. And it's not, like say often a lager yeast because it uh, goes after some things that the ale yeast doesn't pay attention to. Mm-hmm. What about you, John? Do you do anything uh, special for... Uh, fermentations at uh, your fermentation profile at the end. Uh, we talked about you know doing the oxygen, which talked about you know raising the temperature. Do you do any of those? Uh, I'll raise temperature. Um, I'll swirl the fermenter a bit. You know, move thing, keep things moving. If it seems like the yeast is tending to you know starting to settle out a bit, um, the uh, but yeah. I, I on the other hand, I I try to drive it from the from the start. You know, mm-hmm. better. Better, uh, higher pitching rate, um, more oxygenation at the beginning uh, to make sure that they're you know they're strong. They're really you know it's a good strong ferment going in, mm-hmm. and then I will get you know less stress on the yeast that they'll have to clean up afterwards. Mm-hmm. Well, if you listen to uh, Kenya Brewett, we did a show on Dogfish One Twenty. Ah, and yep. uh you know there's a good example of a high gravity beer and one of the ways to get a high gravity beer to ferment fully if you're uh if if a portion of the recipe is uh simple sugar like table sugar you don't want to dump all that simple sugar in at the beginning right uh if you have too high a percentage of simple sugar the yeast will just consume that and you know you the, they tend not to consume a lot of the maltose that's left over and they tend to leave right. those more complex sugars so you can actually begin fermentation without the simple sugar, and then you know, closer to Added the end, in. last you know uh, yeah. half or third of fermentation, uh, as soon as you see that the the yeast are starting to slow down, you can go ahead and start adding your sugar in uh, little by little, and uh, you know they will begin to consume the, that simple sugar as well, and you can actually get better attenuation that way. Yeah, yeah. As you were saying earlier, um, with the addition of a lager yeast, uh, lager yeast strains are better at fermenting. Um, maltotrios, uh, the three chain, you know, sugar uh, as opposed to maltose, the two chain. 
than uh, ale yeasts are. Ale yeasts don't tend to ferment maltotriose very well, mm. but the lager yeasts uh, do. And so, you know, as you say, if you've got a, you know, if you've got a uh, high gravity fermentation going and it seems to be slowing down, then add some lager yeast and they will go after uh, that maltotriose and help reduce that, uh, reduce those sugars uh, mm. better than the ale yeast alone would. Now, now, what about uh, you know final gravity and, and knowing when the beers reached final gravity and differences between beers? Uh, Mike, you've you've done uh, some experimentation with uh, you know higher gravity beers. I remember one in particular back in the old studio. You brought in like two versions of a, a Belgian blonde, I think it was, mm-hmm. or a Golden Strong, something like that, and uh, you know you, you had me taste them and. You know, one was, you know, sweeter than the other, quite a bit sweeter. Right. And I said, well, this one, you know, must have finished 10 points higher than the other one. And it was actually the reverse. Right. And the sweeter one had finished lower in gravity, and the drier one uh, finished in higher gravity. Right. And it's all about what you're measuring and finished. I mean, when you're measuring, you know, taking a hydrometer reading, you're measuring sugar. Mm-hmm. Well, there's more than one kind of sugar. There's, mm-hmm. you know, fermentable and unfermentable. So, um that that was the what, that that was the trick that it was playing on us. That, uh, and then of course there's another flavor component in there that's outside the sugar, and that's the alcohol itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, which has a sweet flavor, very sweet. So I think that, and especially in a golden strong, that's well attenuated. And I think the, I considered both of those beers to be well attenuated. It's just the alcohol sweetness seemed to be driving it in the one that tasted uh, sweet because mm-hmm. it was the predominant sweet flavor. Mm-hmm. All the uh, all the sugars have actually been were fermented out. That's making it more alcoholic, right? So if you have a you know a high gravity beer that finishes you know fairly high, it could be sweet. It could not be sweet. I, I, a lot of times I'll get email from folks and they go, "Well, it finished at you know ten thirty or ten twenty five or you know, and it you know it's going to be too sweet." I'm like, "Well, have you tasted it? You know, what does it taste like?" Well, you know, it's kind of kind of it seems a little sweet. Like, have you carbonated it? No. Well, carbonate it and. <laughs> <laughs> carbonated, chill it, try it, and and see because a lot of times um, you know it's fermented out fully. It just you know based on the grains that were used or the mash profile, things like that. Yeah, you've got a you got a beer that you know it's finished out and it's not sweet. And other times people, you know, more rarely I'll have people you know send me an email. They go, yeah, it's you know s- still real sweet, but it uh, finished out at uh, you know. Uh, oh, four, one Play-Doh. <laughs> I had one guy you know, email me that. I'm like, well, that's really interesting. You know, <laughs> one Play-Doh and it's too sweet. <laughs> He's like, you know, did I have a problem with my hops? Or I'm thinking, well, you know, it's yeah, hey, that one kind of, you know, I'd have know. to taste it before I could say what what exactly went wrong with that one. Yeah, or check the hydrometer. Right, and that was one of my thoughts. Well, you, know, the, you know, we get that a lot. You know, people go, "Well, it's reading this," and you know, it, it actually went up. I'm like, uh, you know, the hydrometer, it's not going to go up. You're using your hydrometer wrong. Somebody. And I'll send people that, and they're like, "Well, no, I'm, I'm using it right." I'm like, "No, you're you're not. If you if you got a rising reading, uh, you know, <laughs> one day to the next, then." You know, you're you're not using your hydrometer right. You, you know, the gas bubbles are causing it, or you yeah, know, the temperature, or you know, and and also, you know, your your 
need to work on using your hydrometer right. Some sort of management they error. They kind of get sure. offended, you know. They're thinking, well, it's so simple. How could, you know, do you think I'm an idiot? It's like, uh, it's not quite as simple as, uh, as, it, as it looks like. You know, there's tricks to it. You know, another beer I have that uh, finishes high, of course, I, I do that intentionally, is, is the Janet's Brown. It's like a 1065 OG, and I want it to finish like a 1018. And, uh, man, I've had that, I've had it finish at 1020. And I put it in front of somebody, and, and they'll, and they'll, you know, they'll taste it, and they go, "Wow, this is so attenuated. It's amazing." It's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, I said, "Yeah." Would you believe it's ten twenty? Right. Well, they part go, of it is also amazing? the, the roast malts give it oh, that dryness, and you okay. know, okay, and the dry. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then of course it's hopped to balance, right? right. So it, if it's you know it's hiding the sweetness, mm-hmm. so you know, uh, so you can make a beer that measures high in the hydrometer, but doesn't taste sweet because you've you've balanced it out, mm-hmm. and you know, it depends on on. Uh, in your, your mash temperatures and your fermentation temperatures, but you could have esters in your beer that give it sort of a sweet uh, flavor as well. Mm-hmm. So you know that's sort of the problem with high gravity brewing. You know, at those higher uh, gravities, certain esters are produced that will add additional sweetness to mm-hmm. your beer. Well, mm-hmm. speaking of esters, what about esterification of uh, fusel alcohols, things like that? Well, you know, what what part does aging play in the development of uh, a high gravity beer's flavor? John, yeah, um, the a lot a lot of the flavor development in aging is uh, part of it's due to oxidation. Um, you get um, oxidation and re- reduction reactions, um, uh, melanoid or Maillard reactions, uh, producing some interesting flavors with time. You'll get some uh, fruit flavors developing from melanoid formation uh, due to aging. Um, you get uh, esterification of fusel alcohols. Um, that that's a slow process, and uh, so it's a it's a subtle thing. And you'll, I mean, you know, you will you will experience it, but it is it's not something where I don't want people to think that they can take a beer that has a definite solvent taste and say, oh, I just need to age it mm-hmm. to get that to go away. It's, it's not going to work that well. Um, well, if you do have that problem, does it uh, that process happen faster at a warmer temperature? Yeah. Yeah, but it, it, but you really, at a warmer so if you temperature. you boil that beer, will it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. You, well, all you really do, you, you know, you're, you're, Everything is going to happen at faster, warm temperatures and oxidation, staling. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's probably going to end up being a very small win- window where um, a beer at accelerated aging is going to be improved to drinkability before it dives down into undrinkability. Um, the so in general, you know, you need you, you want to age a well-made beer. Uh, and experience, you know, and look for some flavor enhancements, look for some unique characteristics to develop with that beer uh, rather than saying, okay, this beer doesn't taste that great now. It may get better with time. Um, and, and, you know, that's that's uh, really trusting to, to luck. Um, the better that beer tastes, you know, fresh, the better it will taste with some age too. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, um, fusels will, fusel alcohols will esterify. Um, 
the alcohols will also oxidize and to, you know, aldehydes and so on. So you'll, the, there's a lot of different reactions that will occur with aging. Um, I think if we look at this in the context of high-gravity brewing, um, as I said last show, the yeast are generally under more stress in a high-gravity ferment. And here we're talking, you know, 1080 uh, to 10100 or well 1060 to 10100 you know nominally a 1080 beer in terms of a high gravity ferment that is uh, there's going to be a little more stress on the yeast they're going to produce more um, precursors they're going to produce more fusel alcohols they're going to produce more uh, enzymes such as proteinase A which can affect head retention over time mm-hmm. the you know the better the better you plan for high gravity fermentation in terms of pitching rate and yeast vitality, you know you've you've made a good starter, you've aerated it well, you've added some yeast yeast nutrient to that starter so that you've got a very healthy, very robust mass of yeast going into a high gravity ferment. Mm-hmm. The less um, the less stress will be on the yeast, and the less you know really the less aging of the beer will be required to. Mm-hmm. Uh, achieve peak flavor. Well, and the better the yeast can withstand the stress, um, right. uh, it won't change the amount of stress that's on the yeast, but the better they can withstand the stress, uh, especially things like zinc, uh, you yep. need to make sure, you know, if you're using a yeast nutrient uh, that it does have zinc or, or you need to add a, a separate zinc supplement as well to, to your wort. That's a, a big part of cell health and the membrane health and uh, as well as... Um, uh, you know your oxygen, your other nutrients, and one other thing is your your water. You need to make sure that you know a lot of these uh, other minerals, um, copper and uh, magnesium iron. and yeah. iron, all this stuff. They are cofactors in uh, enzymatic reactions, right? Right. The uh, copper, zinc, calcium, mm-hmm. magnesium. So those folks that are you know starting from distilled water. And then adding just you know uh, a couple of minerals back, uh, you may not be helping uh, your yeast very much. You know all those little trace elements is very very minor amounts, but very important to the yeast and their ability to uh, run all these processes. There are some where they can substitute other things and still make it happen, but uh, it's best if you have that uh, kind of range of. Uh, uh, mineral salts uh, f- for those uh, enzymatic reactions. They use right. like a buffet. You know, they want a little bit right. of everything. They want exactly. whatever they need. They want. And so we should throw a few p- uh, pennies in the boil, right, uh, John? Yeah. Well, the the zinc content of pennies um, pre, comes pre, off pre nineteen eighty one. Yeah. yeah, old pennies. Those were ninety five percent copper and five percent zinc. Somebody uh, sent me that. <laughs> well, you meant you know yeast nutrient. I I have done that. Where on a, I've got a beer that's you know I think it's going to be hard to ferment, obviously because it's mm-hmm. high gravity. I'll add yeast nutrient to that beer. Right. Yeah. Uh, copper copper immersion chiller. Oh, that's, or, that's pretty. Uh, you know, that'll take care of it right there. Copper for sure. copper uh, plate chiller things like that. You know, one thing we haven't talked about here tonight is the is enzymes. Uh, that that's sort of the new thing. Uh, enzymes going to be available to us home brewers to. Right, right. To get these things to ferment out. Good point. Let's do this. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, let's hear about uh, enzymes from Tasty and uh, John. Back after this. 
Hi, I'm John from Grain and Grape in Melbourne, Australia. We've been supplying home brewers with equipment, ingredients and advice for over 20 years. We carry a great range of grain, hops, wires, liquid cultures and all the gear you need to make great beer, from the most basic setup to a fully automated home system. We're all keen brewers, so drop in on one of our twice-monthly all-grain brewing demos and have a chat with Chris, Dan, Paul, Nick or Sam. We'll talk about brewing and recipes and systems and techniques all day. If you're squeezed for time or just dabbling in all-grain, try our range of artisanal fresh work kits brewed at Melbourne's very own Mountain Goat Brewery. We're very proud to be a major sponsor of the Australian National Home Brewing Conference. This year we've got Randy Mosher and Gordon Strong heading here for three big days in October. Mention the Brewing Network when you're ordering online or over the phone to receive freight free on your next order under 15 kilos. Check out our website grainandgrape.com.au for conditions and we'll see you at the conference. The cutting edge equipment from Blickman Engineering is designed by brewers to make your brew day shorter, more enjoyable, and to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the intuitive beer gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months to the next meeting. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. Hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment 10 years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Heller High Watermelon Wheat Beer at Brew Free or Die IPA in the Northeast, Northwest, parts of the Midwest, and Alaska in cans and on draft. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in the can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams Malt Extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Hey, what are you doing, man? 
writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has home brewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah. Uh. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Organic ingredients. Fresh, clean, good for you, good for the planet. Seven Bridges has the best selection of organic ingredients, including over 27 varieties of organic hops at breworganic.com. Join their mailing list for special deals and regular updates. They've been brewing organic and serving organic brewers for 13 years. They can help you brew great organic beer. And Seven Bridges is the proud host of the fourth annual National Organic Brewing Challenge, the only BJCP-sanctioned nationwide brewing competition just for organic beers. Take the challenge this fall for a chance to win great prizes, including stainless steel brew kettles and organic brewing ingredients. This year, the challenge will be judged in two locations, on the East Coast at Capital City Brewing in Arlington, Virginia, and on the West Coast at Gordon Biersch in San Jose, California. For complete details, visit breworganic.com slash competition. Seven Bridges is cooperatively owned in awesome Santa Cruz, California. Everyone there is dedicated to great beer and people-friendly business practices. They offer environmentally friendly, fair trade, and fair wage brewing products whenever possible. Seven Bridges, breworganic.com. Sit down next to it, grab yourself a paper towel, and watch those yeast have sex. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Like the Lance Armstrong of the beer world. Except for that nut thing. This is Brew Strong. All right, we're back. And Tasty and I talking during the break about barbecue. Mm. Makes me want to pull some pork. Yes. <laughs> pull it good. Yeah, I love I love to pull pork. Yeah, I just built myself a new uh, barrel uh, oh, barbecue. You're serious? Yeah. I did one of those ugly drum smokers, you know, a 55-gallon drum. Whoa, big. Wow, gee. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm going to try it out tomorrow. Well, it sounds like you and Jamil should have a barbecue after you go to Ballins. Yeah. yeah. There we go. There you go. Yeah. You, you, well, you, you better have it ready. You, you, you need to start like you know, a couple days in advance. Okay. Well, I'll start uh, Tuesday morning. Some then. marinating. You, you, know, go. you can marinate in that wort you have sitting in your garage not doing anything. <laughs> yeah. It's perfect for that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You just dip some meat in there and then, you know, you can still ferment it later. It'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. No problem. No problem. <laughs> no problem at all. All right, so uh, before the break, we're talking about uh, enzymes for high gravity beers. Now, Tasty, that's a that's a great point. Uh, I know uh, White Labs is coming out with some uh, a whole new, some, yeah, a whole new several line of enzymes. Varieties there, so, yes. uh, have, have you experimented with any of those yet? I have not. I have uh, you know in, in a, used Beano, uh, of course, in some hot in your so, beer in the end my beer uh-huh. helped my gas, but it didn't ferment. But no, no, it did help with the ferment, but I, I didn't really like the result. I felt that it. Uh, Took a lot of body out of the beer. It did fermented, right. uh, you know, Too things much. that I really didn't want to be fermented. Yeah, know? it never stops working unless you heat it up. Yeah, yeah, you got to like stop it. So you, you know, you put it in, and uh, I don't know if you can. I, I guess I could filter it out. That way, the yeast, uh, you know, get out uh, or out, not not doing anything. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I've done that. Uh, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting 
you know, a commercial type product that's got instructions and and, and levels that you know to add and stuff like that. It's mm-hmm. gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be doing more, you know, high gravity brewing because you know I feel like I have better control. What styles do you intend to brew, Tasty? Well, you know, uh, barley wines is a great e- example. Although I haven't had a problem uh, doing barley wines without you know my normal regimen seems to work fine in terms of attenuation, and that's really. All I'm concerned about now flavors. I don't know. Maybe I could, uh, if I didn't uh, oxygenate so much, that is, let the enzymes take some of the load uh, for me. Um, you know, if I didn't uh, oxygenate as much, or see, I didn't didn't raise the fermentation temperature, do these other things to make it attenuate. I might have a you know a more ester restrained beer because I'm keeping you know these other things uh, capped a little bit more than I have been doing. So you said I don't quite understand what you said a, a moment earlier. You said uh, uh, you brew more high gravity beer because you feel you have better control. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, that I because my fear of high gravity brewing is that I won't get the attenuation I'm looking for. Uh-huh. That's just a bad beer. To me, that's not a. Oh, I mean, and I have no right. choices at so, the end. So these these things will help you better control your high. Well, it gives me almost brewing. a so guarantee. You will, yes. you will do 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 more. Yeah, this is like you know the Viagra for brewers. You know, so not. Yeah. Uh, I was <laughs> you're going to perform. I was, I was thinking you're saying you oh. do more high gravity brewing because you have better control when you do high gravity. Brewing. Well, I might, I might, yeah, so especially in light of the. You uh, will have better. High well, gravity the, control think about the next segment where I'm, you know. Doing well, high, uh, high gravity brewing to, to I can make a lot of beer in a little bit about the time. And space. Right, so let, let's go into that. That's that's one of the things that, that you've done a, a few times now. You'll brew uh, a beer at a certain gravity, and then you'll water it down right. to make uh, more volume of beer for uh, for your your beer consuming public. Yeah, for the space. I mean, I can only do I have you know do a ten uh, gallon batch. That mm-hmm. is when I'm done. I have two completely full ten uh, gallon cornies. Mm-hmm. I make you know twelve gallons of wort to do that, uh, but yeah, when I'm done, I, I I make this high gravity. For example, the the one I do every year is a Bohemian Pilsner. It's about an eight percent beer. Uh, I use the Bach eight thirty three yeast. Comes out eight percent, and uh, you know while that's fermenting and, and uh, moving in, you know out of the fermenter and into the cellar, I've already uh, boiled an equivalent amount of uh, brewing water that I've uh, chilled and uh, carbonated to you know about. Mm-hmm. Same volume on carbonate the uh, the Bohemian Pilsner too, mm-hmm. so I got this uh, imperial imperial uh, Bohemian Pilsner, and then depending on the event, uh, the classic is when we took it to the golf course and Justin was playing that day, and I watered it down to like three point two and put it in a little two and a half gallon keg. Mm-hmm. Tasted pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting how, uh, I, and I always uh, always do it. The, the, always do the blending uh, the day of the event. So if it's a wedding or something, which I've I've done it for a wedding before. Or, you know, mm-hmm. they need a bunch of beer. Mm-hmm. So I brewed 20 gallons of uh, of beer Imperial by pleasure. brewing 10. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, if you, if you, that's not an uncommon situation, especially in the summertime. Mm-hmm. You can't make enough light beer in the hot summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, this is a way to, uh, you know, one uh, strike of the uh, burner mm-hmm. to make twice as much beer. So, uh, and this is something that uh, large commercial brewers do as well. Yeah, they'll, they do they'll brew high gravity because sure. uh, equipment mm-hmm. and space is a premium, and then they can uh, mix the water on with it later, and and mm-hmm. uh, you know make whatever they're they're desired. And it's easier to target a, a specific. Uh, uh, strength beer later on and, oh, yeah. and alcohol content because you can adjust the amount of water exactly the, uh, the with switch precision. The, the Bud Light, the Bud, it's the same right. beer. Just right. flip the switch. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, and then uh, one of the things that that you uh, 
that you mentioned was that uh, um, you you use uh, brewing water. So right. you're you're actually using uh, water that you've added your mineral salts to. Yeah. And that's what you use to dilute back the beer. You don't use distilled water or anything like that. You use whatever your brewing yeah, water right. is. The water that I didn't add at the beginning, I'm not adding at the end. Uh-huh. The very same water. I boil, it, it, I boil it to get so, the oxygen out is what I'm doing there. Right. That, that's, that's important. And then I force carbonate it to take up the space that the oxygen that I didn't get boiled out. Mm-hmm. Just take, take its room, like, get out of here. I got CO2 taking your place kind of thing. Then mm-hmm. <laughs> is there any science behind that or not? But that's my science. Fuck you. <laughs> anyway, well, high, uh, high gravity brewing like that's been used yeah. uh, since the 1970s. I mean, all the all the large lager breweries use it. You know, Bud, Foster's, yeah. uh, Labatt's, you know, Molson Coors, um, Sab Miller. They all all use high gravity brewing to produce. You know, Bud Miller Coors. You know, all the all the the mainstream beers. Those mm-hmm. are all brewed high gravity, and then they dilute back at packaging. <laughs> packaging. That's good. That's that's the cool part. At packaging. Now, yep. which is what I'm doing on my package is a right. cake. By, by fermenting a higher gravity wort, though, that changes the profile it, from fermentation, does it not? Don't you end up with a diff, yeah. slightly different beer than if you had brewed it uh, at 3.2 or 4 or 5 or whatever the strength was normally? Well, right. You, they they, they talk ahead. about – oh, sorry. No, go ahead, John. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that the journal articles talk about, you know, the – when they were developing these practices, uh, you know, going to higher gravities um, from, you know, 14 Plato up to 16 Plato to 18 Plato, um, you know, which is really in terms of our OG is going up like towards 1060 to brew a 1040 type beer. Um, they were noticing a, a different ester profile after fermentation, uh, and they and they could or, and they could taste it in the in the final beer. So they started, you know, uh, looking at their yeast um, consistency. They started looking at their temperatures, you know, and um, really all the things that they developed to produce a a more consistent product at the end of the process compared to a low-gravity beer are all the same techniques we're talking about today, you know, Good yeast uh, health, good pitch, just, you know, consistent pitching rates, um, warming up towards the end of fermentation to help the yeast, you know, better uh, reduce byproducts. All these kind of things that we've we've always talked about, Jamil, uh, c- came from the high gravity brewing programs of twenty years ago mm-hmm. or thirty years ago. Very interesting. So they were able to uh, account for the. Uh, uh, change in fermentation uh right and balance that out so they were back to the, the original beer that they were trying to make yeah or one of very very close to it yeah mm-hmm. well they're lager brewers so and i know i never try this with a nail I, I don't think it have that much success i think that the um i think the uh higher gravity ale um that i'm talking probably in the ipa and a half range uh to get a pale ale um it's going to have, I think, diluted. You're going to expose too much of the, the things that are produced at that. Uh, too many esters, I think, mm. are going to be in that. I call that blonde ale or light pale ale or something like that. So, like when I do this uh, Bohemian Pilsner that I that I do every year, uh, I start out about like 1070, 1076, mm-hmm. and then uh, of course you know it's, I use the and I also use the uh, the Bach uh, yeast, the eight thirty three uh, WLP 
833, I don't know the white lab, or the why used uh, number, but uh, I like that. I use it because it's real clean. It's a low, you know, really doesn't produce much, but you know, it's a really good fermenter. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't mind the high alcohol environment, and it's really clean. Because, mm-hmm. again, my, the downfall of doing this is you're going to create these other flavors at these higher uh, gravities that you really don't want in your 4% beer because they'll really show up. I mean, you you dilute it down, you're really going to expose the beer. Mm-hmm. So. So basically, you know, uh, I can give you a recipe, but basically it's a like a 1076 beer that's about, I think, 53 uh, or 58 uh, IBUs. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's pretty hoppy, but again, everything's going to be cut in half, including the IBUs. Mm-hmm. And the water's going to dilute What that. about the... Yeah. I just have a question, too, about the... Because you're also, you know, you're talking about the off flavors that you might come up with, but what about just the watery flavor? Do you account for that in mash temperature or in, in the grain bill? Is it a different recipe than you would do if you were not diluting the beer no. to make up for the watery no you don't have to Water, do that no i don't think i have to i mean i just was thinking that the no, big guys have this entire lab yeah, to we, figure out how to not to make your them. beer taste watery yeah. in the high gravity part and you're just well see tasty already brews a beer that's so far from watery that right you right can water it down and still doesn't taste watery i mean is well, that silly um, even to no, think no, tasty? I, no I, I think you're absolutely right I think that's an excellent question, and I was going to ask something similar, which was, John, we talked about in the previous episode, we talked about how, uh, you know, boiling at concentration and then watering it down later, uh, you know, because you're boiling at a, a more concentrated wort, uh, you're losing more percentage-wise of those head-forming proteins, body-forming proteins right. and all that. And then when you water it down, one of the reasons against not doing a uh, concentrated boil is... Well, you know, you decrease your foam enhancing proteins. Yeah, right. So, yeah, would you, you get the same problem on this? You will. Yeah, I mean, the the head retention, and this is retention, is going to be less for a diluted beer like that because the you know the effective amount of protein in the beer has been diluted as well. So, um, That's yeah, why the I head think, re- Justin, that was a good question. I think it, it, it relates to this exact same thing. Yeah. The only the only other other side of that, and I don't that you're, I think I agree as well, is the the alcohol content is lower, so it's going to have a less of a uh, head uh, consuming uh, mm. effect as well. Well, there there's several. I mean, alcohol is just one factor that it affects uh, head stability. Um, the I mean, there's um, the amount of uh, foam positive protein that's in there that's that's the the building materials uh you've got your um your hops your alpha your isomerized alpha acids which help bind the structure together give it some hydrophobicity um the uh alcohol which tends to you know, break down the bubbles um but the i think the head a lot of times um scientists will talk about head formation versus head stability. And I think the head formation in your diluted Pilsner is probably very comparable to the full-strength beer. I mean, when you pour it, you're probably getting a good head, but it probably doesn't last as long in the glass as the as the full-strength beer. Or, um, yeah, the I think the stability is probably different. Well, I should be able to test that because I'll have both. Yeah. Well, and, you know, not to bash any of the the fine products that are you know the mass market loggers because I, I know they're they're brewing exactly what they want to brew, 
but those to me do not seem like they have a lot of head or head retention and maybe that's on purpose mm-hmm. um you know more beer in a glass or something like that um right interferes with chugging beer or whatever but uh can't shoot I, a beer with I, all that foam yeah i wonder if that's you know part part of the process and i would think if they wanted more head they'd make sure it had more head yeah, yeah, it's what they want. So, I, I, but I wonder if you know that's just part and parcel of the high gravity and then dilution of brewing. Do you notice a difference in your in your beers that you dilute versus? Uh, I have not observed that. Uh, it's hard. I think I'm worried about my golf swing more than anything. Right, because you're you're brewing it and then diluting it down. It's not like you're brewing the same beer at that strength and then matching the two side by side to no, compare them. Because no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. I probably should do that if I was serious about this. Yeah, I'm not serious about anything. <laughs> right. No, no, I should do that, but that's right. You're on that. Trying to be the evangelist show. of high gravity and diluting guy, I should I probably should know this. Right, I, I'm just curious because I I haven't done it. Yeah, I, or well, uh, I've done very little uh, dilution. Yeah, hmm. well, it's a good style, and I, I need a lot of light beer, so maybe I will do a regular gravity. Uh, I'd, I'd be curious as to the uh, comparison yeah. of the two. Uh-huh. And uh, Justin. Being the on the uh, spot science man, he's got his uh, PBR light, and he's got his uh, Sierra Nevada Summerfest, and he's going to compare the two. I thought it even just to look at the head retention would be interesting. Right, right, right. Yeah. And I, I imagine the the PBR. He's he's grabbing his dildo bottle opener and uh, opening a bottle. That's all we and, have here, of course. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You reach around the studio and grab reach anything. Around. Wait a minute. I mean, that's not going to happen. <laughs> now, either. to test head-forming uh, capacity, do you pour in a tilted glass or do you dump it right in? Just dump it right in. Okay. Dump it Hit right the in bottom here. in the middle. So can yeah, of PBR you, light first. Head retention. And I'll pour it's till it's quite I, gassy. Yeah. It's forming a nice uh, head there, PBR. And then the Sierra Summerfest Just retaining. out of a bottle, pouring the same way. Actually seems to be... A little less, uh, maybe just a little less carbonated, not uh, necessarily head-forming. Right. It's, yeah. it's a finer bubble in the uh, Sierra Nevada. That's a fine, tight little bubble there mm-hmm. you got going there, baby. And then <laughs> and then the PBR is a much larger bubble, and it's collapsing. Uh, pretty quick. A pretty good clip. Because yeah. um, I would think, because when you had said that, it just made me think, you know, I remember some pretty foamy light beers and i wondered then if they did make up for it add some kind of a protein I think or... because i'm usually shotgunning them out, directly out of the can <laughs> well, the, the, the right. cake stands are kind of you're, you're, you're know, trying to get that foamy beer out of those things you can right. kind of see it on the webcam too guys if you're watching justin.tv slash brewing well, network that pbr that's got a pretty good uh, pretty good headstand well there, again right? they they're on top of that shit i mean Placing, they might have yeah. made a high gravity beer and diluted it but right. they, you know they but, did the same test but again, this is, and this was kind of where my question stems from because you're not exactly able to test this stuff, Tacey, in yeah, your lab, my lab which yeah. is really your dog. Well, the beer's gone before I brew the next batch. So. One final factor that may be at work here in Justin's test is that uh, the PBR light is probably made using um, hop extract. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that'll really help with head retention, yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Those, that, those compounds really aid head retention. Mm-hmm. Right. You get egg white head formation in uh and you'll see it a lot in double ipas because they craft brewers tend to use hop extract to really bump up the ibu levels in a double ipa it's hard to get enough hops in the beer without it Mm -hmm. it's pretty darn close in these two right here 
Yeah, yeah, I can't see much difference in terms of the. Well, I, I saw bubble size was was the yeah, biggest did, thing. That for was me, observable. You know, that, but otherwise, they're the same. Yeah, I mean, I could see that from here. Mm-hmm. But that, yeah, that's not bad at all. Yeah, I, I still think the uh, Sierra is doing a little bit better on retention. Well, and the other Lacing. thing that I was asking about Lacing's too good is on the PBR. It is good, actually. It's really good, good on the PBR. Yeah. Is is kind of mouth feel and and the body of a beer. Now I know mm-hmm, a light mm-hmm. beer is a light beer. It's not very. It's not full bodied, but. I still feel like if if you brewed a three point two beer, it would have more mouthfeel and body than diluting to a three point two beer. That and is I just, correct. And so then I just wonder if there's a way for you, Tasty, to make up for that in some sort of uh, in the grain bill like or a high, well, real high mash mash temperature. Yeah, or I can make a high yeah, protein sure rest. Or, that, right. Problem is, my finish is going to be uh, a little bit higher with that high mash temperature. Of course, at the same time, excuse me. <coughs> If the um, if he lives that long, if I live, <laughs> right? For instance, uh, say I made a a ten ten eighty uh, beer, and it because uh, it was ten eighty, it finished at ten twenty. Mm-hmm. Well, it's pretty high, except uh, you know water I'm going to uh, water it down. I really finished 10, at ten ten, mm-hmm. but I started at forty because I watered it down. Mm-hmm. So, you know, right. so that, but I still may I have a beer that has a, a more body that way. Right, you know, because right. it's fully attenuated, but it finished at ten ten against ten forty. Yeah, that is hmm. one of the things working in your advantage is those higher gravity beers tend to not attenuate quite as much. Right, so you're gonna have okay. A, yeah. I don't know if that's you know anecdotal evidence that it might have more body. I don't know, but right. Well, it made you my know, measurement. as we were saying last show, the 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 total protein level in the ten eighty beer is going to get knocked down quite a bit during the boil, mm-hmm. and so you're going to take that and then you're going to dilute it, you know, after the fact. Right, so you so definitely you will have less protein than if you uh, had brewed it. Had brewed, had brewed it to the, the same straight. final gravity. Right, right. Yeah, but um, you know, on the other hand, you know, you get in terms of commercial beers these days. You know, that's the way they've been brewing them for the last twenty, thirty years. Right. That's what you. That's the, exactly the flavor that you expect. That's what you you've had. Bef- you had last mm-hmm. week. You had last year. That body, that flavor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not really. I. You don't. Well, I don't know it, but <laughs> others know it. You know, yeah. I've been drinking those for a while. You want to taste the PBR light next to this Sierra Summerfest? Yeah. So Let's just see. in case you don't get Summerfest in your taste, area, taste it's, comparison here. it's Sierra Nevada Summer Lager, and I really like it. Actually, I think it's a nice full-bodied lager, um, but it's it's five and a half percent. It's crisp and refreshing. Yeah, it's low. It, it's five and a half percent. Five percent actually. Pouring here, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at, a, at the Hop Festival a couple years ago, and there were several German brewers there, and. Uh, Standing around drinking various beers, and Summerfest was one of them. And uh, I was talking to this German brewer, and I said, "You know, I think this is one of the best pilsners I've ever had." And he goes, "Yeah, you're right. It's a really good pilsner." Now, wow. Justin, doesn't that PBR seem real metallic to you? Yeah, even even in the smell. Actually. Yeah, it was really strong. That's what I noticed. I was thinking, well, I wonder if it's the glass, but it's also in the you know, came out of the can. Yeah, I don't taste it as much actually. Not as much, but in the oh, aroma, there it is aroma. in the aftertaste. Yeah, that's real metallic. Yeah. I thought all these cans are supposed to have some special magic lining, lining now. Yeah, magic lining. Hmm. I wouldn't uh, automatically blame the can, but yeah, could be something else. <laughs> could be that it's been rolling around in my cooler for well, the last I just, week. I don't know. I mean, you hmm. know. By the way, I blame Andy Wood that I even have this in my refrigerator. Oh, so he left it. Want to put put that off on somebody <laughs> else? What do you think of? Uh, can you get past it? Like, can you get it to mouthfeel or anything? Can you get past the metallic for that? Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was kind of a little thin, and uh, I mean, compared to the the Summerfest, yeah, you know, I imagine it's, it's also it's probably right. more like a three point two beer, yeah. the Paps Light, as opposed to a five. Yeah, it, it's fine. Yeah, uh, you know, 
it is what it is. You know, they know what they're doing. They're, they're bringing good beer. And, you know, it's just like, you know, Bud Miller Coors, you know, Budweiser or Miller Genuine Draft or any of these. They're really well-made beers to what they're trying to do, they, right? They know what they're doing. They, they're they, check daily. They, these aren't these aren't idiots. These are <laughs> these are brewing scientists. You know, doing exactly what they want to do. No, and I so agree. It's, and it's I didn't just whether mean you to, like it or not. That's a whole a whole other thing. So, and I definitely didn't mean to rank it better or not. I just no, no, no. I feel like I can taste that this was a beer that has right. been watered down for the purposes of being a light beer. Yeah, it seems and real, the summer real fest real is thin. not right. Yeah, it seems thin. thin. I yeah. think if you brewed a three point two. You'd you'd have a little more body to it. Um, well, you know, know, we had a we had a you know a, a three point two beer in um, Des Moines, Iowa at uh, uh, Court Court Avenue Brewing, and he had a uh, like an ordinary bitter, and it had a lot more body than that. Hmm. Uh, of course, you know it, it depends on what you're doing, but um, you know that made 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 a big difference. Um, well, Justin, take the take the Summerfest and add about fifteen percent water to it. And then and see, see if it's yeah, and good. Taste some side by side. That's oh, a good point. Go. Uh, I It'll could do that. Be watery. <laughs> I just wanted to point out too. Uh, there's a guest in the chat room, and and maybe you know what the hell he's talking about, Palmer, because I certainly don't. But he said the reason that PBR has a higher head retention is because they add uh, PGA, uh, a propylene glycol uh, alginate. Ah. Uh, and he sent yeah, me a link agent. that uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't doubt that the head they get the head they want by whatever means they need. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I'll I'll get they whatever. Get the I'll get the head I, I want <laughs> on the whatever same means. Way. Yeah, you fetch their ass. PGA, PBP, no teeth. We don't care. Right. Cash, whatever it takes. Yeah, I'll I'll do. Yeah, geriatric, whatever. Whatever. Absolutely. I think I think. Oh, I think we've somehow. Well, and you know, one of the interesting things, uh, I, I stopped by uh, August Shell on my way back from the conference in New Ulm, uh, uh, Minnesota. Isn't that a cool place? Oh, I love that place. Yeah, <laughs> I love the the folks there, the beers there. They're they're doing uh, just fantastic traditional German beers, and they are they're like hmm. German craft beer 150 years ago. That's like the kind of recipe. It's like a pilsner. It's like a like a craft beer lover's pilsner, hmm. you know it, it's it's firmly bitter. It's hoppy. It's you know crisp. It's malty. It's great. All their beers were just fantastic. Really well brewed, and uh, they also have a uh, they bought a line of of uh, beer that went out of business. I can't remember what it is, but it was one of these you know regionals that was doing like two million barrels, and they got squeezed out by the big boys, right? So they bought the license to that, and they're brewing it because there's a lot of people around there who still love it. Hmm. So they're you know helping fill this need of these these beer lovers, and it's a uh, you know uh, a lager beer with these weird kind of fruity esters and stuff. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know I tried that too. They're like, yeah, hey, if you want to try it, go ahead. Uh-huh. And my thing was, it's not really my cup of tea, but I could see how people would like this. Some flavors in there and get used to mm-hmm. it. And really come to love it. And there's no other beer out there that tastes like this. I guarantee it. But I could also see how it was really well made. They know exactly what they're doing. They're brewing, a, you know, exactly what is intended. You know, it's not a mistake. It's, uh, you know, it's not a beer I would drink a lot of. Or maybe I would. I don't know. But I found it really uh, interesting. And, and 
uh, you know, I, I actually rather enjoyed getting a chance to, to, to try that. So uh, I was really impressed. And if you get a, ever get a chance, uh, August Shell, you go out there, they got this 150-year-old brewery, you know, five stories tall. It was Everything was gravity-fed back then. It's the original building. It's the original property, the original mansion. They got peacocks running around. They got deer. Mm. They got... They got, uh, they got the still that Grandpa chopped up with an axe when he thought the feds were closing in on him. That's uh, awesome. You know, it's just, it is a fantastic place. If you ever, it's well worth uh, going out there if you get a chance. They do tours all the time. Um, really fantastic. Anyways, uh, a little sidetrack there. Let's take a short break. When we come back, we'll, we'll wrap this up, answer your questions. Back after this. Your carboy cap on. This is Bruce Strong. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmasters Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmasters database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmasters Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmasters Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BNARMY in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. Do you support the Brewing Network? Do you brew your own? Are you looking for an economical, fun, and legal way to do both? Subscribe to Brew Your Own magazine and do just that. All year long, Brew Your Own will surprise you, entertain you, and educate you with articles on beer and brewing from authors like the Brewing Network's very own Jamel Zedeshaf and John Palmer. Each issue is a full pint of brewing techniques, homebrew stories, tips and photos, projects to make yourself, and recipes for the avid home brewer. Get your tough questions answered by Mr. Wizard. And polish your style accuracy with Jamil. A portion of every subscription goes to the Brewing Network, so subscribe today at byo.com slash brewingnetwork, or just click the BYO logo on the Brewing Network homepage and support a fantastic hobby and your favorite broadcaster. Brew your own. The how-to homebrew beer magazine. Whether I'm making me dry stout or rebuilding me kegs, I head to the heart of dear Dublin for me homebrewing supplies. You head all the way back to Emerald Isle just for a wee batch of grain or a bit of keg tubing? No, you moronic waste deliver. Dublin, California. I go to HopTech. For 30 years, HopTech in Dublin, California has been supplying homebrewers with malt extract, fresh grains, hops, spices and sugars, hop oils and extracts, and much more. HopTech is one of the first homebrew supply shops on the internet and is proud to offer a 
award-winning beer kits, both online and in their store. Mention the BN Army for a 10% discount off your order. The store is open every day except Wednesday or shop online at hoptech.com anytime. Hoptech is run by passionate, award-winning brewers who live, love, and travel for beer and bring their experience to the store for you. If you don't want to visit Dublin, just call toll-free 800-DRY-HOPS or go to hoptech.com. Visit Hoptech today in Dublin, California and at hoptech.com. When I order a beer, I want my server to know more about it than I do. I want someone who enjoys good beer and loves helping others enjoy it too. I want someone who knows how to pour a perfect pint for every beer style. I want a Cicerone. The Cicerone Certification Program is creating the type of people who help you enjoy great beer. Home brewers and craft beer lovers know beer is more flavorful and complex than ever, and it takes some serious knowledge to store and serve beer right. Cicerone's No Beer. There are three levels in the Cicerone Program. Certified Beer Server, Certified Cicerone, and Master Cicerone. Cicerones are truly the sommeliers of beer. The best beer locations have a certified Cicerone on staff. Relaxed and unpretentious, Cicerone are tested on storing and serving beer, beer styles, flavor and tasting, the brewing process and ingredients, and pairing food with beer. Learn more about your next beer guide at Cicerone.org. Certified Cicerone, because it takes top talent to present a perfect pint. You're listening to the Brewing Network. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. All right. Yeah, tasty, I always have a good time when you're in the studio. Oh, thanks. There. It's always fun. It's nice to have you on our show. Yeah. Well, the shows sure are pretty is. much like we talk the same way off the air as we do on the air. Just talk about beer and shit. Yeah, we use less dick jokes uh, off the air. <laughs> I can blue. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is probably true, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. So uh, let's wrap this this bad boy up. So anything we got left to say about high-gravity brewing? Have we covered it all? Or We've we... covered everything as far as my uh, thing about you know right. high-gravity and diluting. Okay. Uh, though I did, you know, during the discussion, uh, one thing came up. is like, well, I said I was, you know, uh, blending with my brewing water. Except when my brewing water goes through the fermentation process, uh, you know, a lot of the minerals that are in that are, are mm-hmm. depleted, right? Or does right. it? Right. So maybe I should uh, it out. I should like back off on the minerals the, uh, in the in the in the blending water. I might be getting too much of a mineral flavor right. in my uh, finished beer that way. Echelation or whatever so where maybe, it yeah, binds so with the, uh, yeah. the the fats and stuff. And don't do as I do. Maybe in some ways, if you run a, like a really soft beer, maybe just you know use distilled or 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 water. I don't know. Right. Yeah, but be sure to boil it first. Boil it. Get, get the, the O2 out. Yeah. Yeah. Get the oxygen. Get any organics out of there. Mm-hmm. Um. Professional breweries, uh, they do both carbon filtration and uh, low pressure, you know, boiling to draw off all the volatiles they can. Mm. Uh, get all, and get the they get their oxygen levels down to like five parts per billion. So when when so John's saying low pressure boiling, what he's talking, you know, they pull a bit of a vacuum mm. and uh, they right. they boil air to uh, draw off as much of the volatiles or. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. That way, they they don't. I mean, there there otherwise would be a risk of of adding oxygen to the finished beer and, and accelerating staling. Mm-hmm. So that's why you want to if you're going to dilute, you want to boil that water first. Yeah, oxygen are and all these other gases that are in the atmosphere they go right into that that solution into that uh, liquid that water uh, very rapidly and. Uh, 
you end up yeah. with a, an issue there. So you got to be careful about that. All right. Anything else to add, John? Nope. That was it. We covered it? I think so. Uh, Justin, questions from the chat? Yeah, one question. Hoppy Mads in the chat room. Kind of goes back to, I think, our first uh, high-gravity show, but important nonetheless. Uh, I just started cracking grain with a mate on a new mill, he says, Mm -hmm. and my efficiency was about 10 points low. Uh, Can the malt crush affect the efficiency this much? Um, And certainly in a high-gravity brew, uh, how does the crush affect uh, efficiency and and getting what we want out of it? Absolutely. That's one of the... uh biggest factors in in efficiency uh, you know the crush of the grain the, the access of the liquid to the you know particles of starch um, you know that, right. that that makes a big difference if, if they're they're too together too whole it can't get through to it and uh, you know with a really long uh, mash time maybe it would but uh, it, it really increases the amount of conversion time anything else to add to that John no I, I agree it- if uh, if the crush wasn't uh, was was very coarse, um, then yeah, you're going to see a difference in extract efficiency. Uh, you know, come up you know five ten points low. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, between real coarse and real fine, there's ten to twenty points. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean a substantial amount in a high gravity beer. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and then, and then it goes it go. It, I mean. It, Assuming his technique, you know, last time, last mm-hmm. brew to this brew is the same, then yeah, a coarser crush would affect his extraction that way. I would imagine you could go easily twenty five percent change in efficiency based on crush alone. Yeah, you can. Yeah, but you can <laughs> still you can still get sixty five percent efficiency mm-hmm. with uncrushed grain mm-hmm. just by soaking it by you know by mashing long enough. Mm-hmm. And laudering enough, right? So you know you can you can still get numbers, and, and but you can make bad beer. Um, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. It's uh, it's a matter of finding finding the sweet spot. We all like the sweet spot. Oh yeah. All right. So that wraps it up. That's our uh, high gravity series. We uh, we covered everything from uh, I don't know what is high gravity brewing to uh, how you do it. Yeah, how you and, do it, uh, how you brew it, how you firm it. Next, next series of shows is is going to be on God knows what. We base it off of uh, your input. You you email us at the uh, brewstrong at the brewing network dot com, and we uh, take that information. We make shows out of it, and uh, hopefully answer the things that you got. We got a Q and A show coming up next where we'll answer your questions live, and. Speaking of emailing, uh, you know, if you're going to email somebody, email uh, John Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com. They pay for the show. They sponsor the show, so you don't have to pay for it. Great guys there. Great equipment. They really uh, are creative and uh, true engineering geeks. geeks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, great stuff. So check it out on their website and uh, send them an email telling them you appreciate that they pay for the show for you. And uh, also check out the Brewing Network site. We got lots of good gear in there. We got books, we got uh, hats, we got shirts, uh, lots of Brew Strong stuff. And when we see you at these events, we want you to come out to these events. But it's nice if you're 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 sporting a uh, Brewing Network uh, hot grenade or a uh, Brew Strong shirt, something like that. Uh, I love to see those. It uh, does does my heart a, a good turn. Also, uh, if you get a chance, there's a, a, a BYO uh, link there. Click on that. You can sign up for the magazine, and half of that goes to the Brewing Network. 
uh, helps uh, cover the cost of uh, supporting programming like this for you and yours. And until later, just remember, I love you too, random citizen. Bruce Strong. Bruce Strong. <laughs>